This morning our scripture reading comes from the book of Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 24 through 28. Hear now the word of God. For I will take you out of the nations, I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. And I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Why is God always talking about people's hearts? From what I can tell, he's not super concerned with literal hearts, not a strong advocate of cardiovascular health, but people's desires, what they want. God's always going on about people's hearts. If you remember when God is using Samuel to choose a king for Israel, he tells him, do not even bother to think about the guy's appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Well, I'll be the one to say it. That's dumb. When you look for a center on your basketball team, don't look at how tall she is. Just consider her heart. Come on. This isn't a Disney movie. When you're looking for a new employee, don't look at their resume or their skill set. Just look at their hearts. Are they kind? That's silliness. In choosing a king based on their heart. You know who's got the kings and queens thing figured out? The British. Their royals don't even really have a role anymore except to be inspiring. Even so, they are all beautiful people wearing beautiful clothes, living in beautiful homes. Because people aren't looking at their hearts. On the red carpet, do you know what I've never heard said? Congrats on the Oscar nomination and all very exciting, but let's get to what really matters. How's your heart lately? Do you know who does get to make all their decisions in life based on their heart? Children and characters in movies. Everyone else, we choose basketball centers based on their height and employees based on their skills and royals based on their looks. We judge people's lives based on their accomplishments, their success, not their heart. Because it's what we can see and because it's what matters. Have you ever heard someone say, sure, they're getting beat up, bullied, bad luck on top of bad luck. I mean, they broke through rock bottom and they found another rock bottom underneath, but you can hardly feel bad for them because they've got a good heart. It's ridiculous. What difference does the heart make? To God, it makes a big difference. He's always judging by the heart. When God's people would make a sacrifice, he'd be going, oh, that one makes me mad. No, the sacrifice is fine, but it's his heart. His heart is in the wrong place, and hers is great. Hers makes me smile. Same sacrifice. Jesus is the same way. Remember the time he sees people donating to the church, big donations, average donations, and then the little old lady donating a few pennies. And he says loudly so everyone can hear, look, she's donated more than all of you. 
because out of the little she has, she's given everything. Her donation is better because of her heart. Well, you know who disagrees with that? The bank. I'm glad her heart was in the right place, Jesus, but I need 100 of her to make up for the guy who left when you made fun of his offering. And until we can work out a multiplier system with FNB so that gifts donated joyfully count for more, money is just money. And the heart doesn't matter. The heart. Always on about the heart. What difference does it make? Whatever the heart says, it doesn't seem to change the world much. It doesn't make much difference to judge. We just have to judge by what we see. And yet the good news in this passage is this. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I was visiting a nursing home once. And as a pastor, I've spent a fair bit of time in this one and that one. And you'll notice, if you go, that the visitors aren't distributed evenly among the guests. Some people, they get all the visitors, the family and the friends and the old neighbors and others. They just have to sit and watch the parade going to a room down the hall. Only the nurses visit them, shaking the little cups of pills. And anyway, I was walking the hallway one day, and I overheard an older resident saying to her friend, God made babies cute so people would want to take care of them. I guess God made a mistake with us. Why is God so worried about the heart? I think because that older lady was more right than any of us would ever care to admit. Something is wrong with our hearts. They turn to stone, to rock, and in my experience, not much love comes from a rock. Hearts harden, like a teacher's immune system receiving a thousand children's gift of germs from coughs and sneezes. Your immune system, it learns, it adapts, it gets tough. Or the hands of someone who uses them to work, their skin, it gets tough until shaking their hand, it feels like they're wearing a glove. Their calluses have calluses. If you put wood in the sun, it's going to dry out. It gets hard. And if you take a heart and you put it into the world, it takes some hits and it starts to get hard. You get betrayed by a best friend. You get bullied at school. You get passed over for the raise you deserve and your heart toughens up. It gets harder. You start to realize just how many people in the world need help from those unvisited in the nursing home to children living on the street and kids falling behind in school and abusive homes and the heart, it can't deal with all that. How many people can you really care for so it gets hard? The heart gets hard until it's tough like a rock, until it's hard as stone. And before long, it's true, isn't it? Things that would have broken our hearts as children, we can see without a problem. We can see someone hungry on the street and drive by, see someone crushed by loneliness and say, love you, and go home and forget. We've got our hands full with our own problems. We don't have room for anyone else's, and it just gets easier. It gets easier to put it out of our mind and to move on. I would love to see them, and I probably should, but tonight I'd rather just chill. I I earned it. It was a hard week. 
And I know they need me right now, but I'm just too worn down. I have too many things, but another week. Which is true, but how many nights, how many weeks, how many months do we say that before we just have to say that our heart is hard? It takes a hardened heart to blame someone else for how we hurt them. It takes a hardened heart to refuse to forgive, to refuse to admit mistakes, refuse to see that other people's needs have value the same as ours. And, and yet there is nothing more natural in this world than a hardened heart. This isn't me standing and casting blame in this world. There is nothing more natural than a hardened heart. We get asked for fundraisers and for committees to volunteer and to donate responsibilities with kids and for ourselves, for friends, for family, with the sick. And we get hurt and beat up and let down. Nothing is more natural in this world than a hardened heart. Because we know. We know if our hearts are soft, we can get taken advantage of. People weasel their way in and then they tear their way out. Just words can wound a soft heart. Silence can wound a soft heart. And the, word, the world will, will crush a soft heart without even noticing, without even slowing down. So nothing is more natural, more prudent, more adaptive than a hardened heart. But something happens, something happens when a heart turns to stone. There are things that can protect us from, and you can even make them beautiful, decorated, like this one we made. It's a beautiful, hardened heart. But a a hard heart, it can't move. It's a rock, and rocks don't grow, rocks don't love. They forget how to laugh and how to dream and how to hope. A hard heart forgets humility, it forgets forgiveness. And when the world pushes, hardened hearts, they don't rip or tear or bruise. But if the world keeps pushing, if it pushes hard enough, Hardened hearts break. They break. It's surprising, because we think of hardened hearts as the safer option. They're more sturdy, but they're actually more fragile. They don't get hurt as often, but when they do, a hardened heart doesn't flex, it doesn't bruise, it breaks. It cracks. It can't adapt, it can't forgive, it can't heal. And we find ourselves trying to live with hearts of broken stone. Cracked, angry, bitter, walking, wounded, unable to move past the things that have broken us. I'd like to show you our first surprise for this week. Will you only hold it? Yeah. This was our first idea, this man of stone. We made him on Monday, and on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we had to fix him, because every morning we came in and found him cracked, 
On Tuesday, his leg cracked and he fell, which broke his arm. And on Wednesday, the front of his chest broke and cracked from the back of his chest. And on Thursday, he fell again, and on Friday, his head came off. (laughs) And every morning, we found ourselves having to put him back together. More clay and patches, which is why he looked really good on Tuesday. He did. He's a little deformed now. It's our lives when we have hearts of stone. When we can't forgive, we have to wake up every morning and bandage a wound that we won't let heal. And when we won't admit we're wrong, when we won't go through the work of change, when we push away mercy or push away humility or push away charity, when we won't let God change our hearts and change our dreams and open us up to the path God's calling us to, we spend our lives just trying to hold it together. Men and women of stone, cracked and falling apart. But God made our hearts to get hurt. To love is to risk being hurt. It's to let something inside your heart where it can do what it will. To love something is to let it change you. To admit you could be better. It's to love a hobby or a sport you want to get better. And to love a person you want to be better for them. And to love something is to let it mold you. To soften you. To change you. To sacrifice. I will give you a new heart. And put a new spirit in you, God says. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. God's promise to us is that God will give us a heart of flesh, a heart that can be molded and mended, that can grow and flex and change because our hearts aren't right. We don't love the things we should love. We don't love each other the way we should. It's hard to hear what that older lady said. God made babies cute so that people would want to take care of them. I guess God made a mistake with us. It's hard to hear because of how true it is. We hurt each other. We let each other down. We need to grow and to heal and to change. And a heart of stone, if it tries to do that, it will break. But a heart of flesh won't look as strong from the outside, and the world won't understand that. And I have to say, especially if you're a man, I hate to say it, but especially for men, the world thinks having a heart is a weakness. Not understanding that a heart is exactly where heroes, where courage comes from. But a heart of flesh, it will get hurt. It will tear, it will bruise, it will feel pain. But it's the only way to love. Because brittle, hardened, broken hearts don't know how to love. Only hearts of flesh do. And we know this. We see this because God came in the flesh, flesh that would bruise and would hurt and would die, but God loved, God was love. And if we follow the world, our hearts will be hardened. They'll become hearts of stone and stone eventually will break. But if we follow the Christ child, God will remove our hearts of stone. Cracked as they are, filled with love of the wrong things, filled with old fights and disappointments and fears, and God will take them and give us hearts of flesh 
capable of forgiving, capable of being hurt and loving anyway, capable of growing, capable of love. I wonder if you you think of your Christmas list this year, the things you're hoping for, the things you're excited about, the things we love and we want but will soon forget, and even more than the joy of any of those, and, and even more than the joy if you think through the list of gifts you're giving. Think of every gift you're giving and the excitement that person will receive. If you pile all those up, is there anything that would be more valuable than the gift of loving them better? Anything that would be more valuable than a heart of flesh? It may be the best Christmas present there is. Let us pray. Lord, we admit that when we look at the heart of stone, when we look at the man of stone, our first impulse is to say it looks like the people around us. That it looks like those who hurt us. But, Lord, this morning we admit that it looks like us. That our hearts turn to stone, that we get bitter and angry and broken. This morning we confess it and ask that you would remove our hearts of stone and by the power of your Son that you would give us hearts of flesh. Because, Lord, we want to love as you have loved us. Would you be with us? In your Son's name we pray. Amen.